and welcome back to Noah's Window. Again, we're in the book of Job. There's just so much here to talk about. Um, one of the passages that I really do love, and this, and again, I hope you'll grab your Bible and read this whole story. Right now, we're still in chapter one. So, so this whole story is just unfolding, and a lot of things happen. And we won't go into all the things, but just a lot of horrible things happen. But what I wanted to really focus on is at the end of the chapter, in verse 22, and this is chapter one, uh, the Bible says in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Now, I think one of the things that I have heard, and it's so common when bad things happen in our life, to blame God. I, I hear that so much of the time. Why did God do this to me? Why did God make this happen in my life? Why did God put me in this situation? And I think Job is a, a good example here of not blaming God. Well, I mean, several things we just pull away from that scripture. Evidently, it would be a sin to blame God. Yes. So if it would be a sin to blame God, then we have to conclude that God was not the one who did these things to Job. Mm -hmm. Because we, we know from chapter one what happened. Satan came and said to God that uh, nobody served him, you know, for nothing. I mean, God had just asked Satan where he'd been. He said he'd been walking back and forth around the world and we know from the New Testament that what Satan does is he walks around to accuse believers of, of doing sin in the presence of God and God preempts him and he says have you considered my servant Job which God knew that he was faithful and that he would he was an example of somebody who served God no matter what Satan of course said well the reason why he serves you is that you bless him and then he said you put a hedge of protection around him you won't let me touch him and he said, if you take that hedge down, he'll curse you and you'll see that he won't serve you for nothing. He just serves you for what he can get out of you, which is an indication of how Satan believes. Mm -hmm. Satan believes nobody loves God. Nobody serves him except for what they can get. Uh, and we know what happened. There was these series of disasters where so Job lost uh, all his material wealth. He lost all 10 of his kids. All these things are just unspeakably difficult. And then ultimately he will lose his health in, in the most awful kind of way. And yet the Bible says in all these things, he did not sin by blaming God. Now, it is important to recognize from what we see in chapter one, God allowed it, but God didn't cause it. Satan right. caused it. Mary Alice, I would like for you to talk about something now that very much needs to be talked about in our day. We are living with the resurgence of reformed theology Ooh, in a lot yes. of churches today where the sovereignty of God is, is just distorted ridiculously. Yes. Uh, in, in, the, in, in the sense that God now becomes accountable for everything that happens in our world. It should be pointed out, sin was never God's idea, nor yes. was sickness, death, accidents, abuse, and all those things. Now, I, I know that God works in all those things, Romans eight twenty eight. But we just see very clearly here from Job chapter 1, God is not the one who causes these things. Satan caused them. And there's so much confusion because what happens is, just like in Job's story, if you read the whole thing, it's kind of a long book and gets a little, we'll, we'll talk about that. But you'll see that at the end, God redeems the brokenness. He heals the disease. He restores all that was lost and then some. But, but here's the thing, because, just like in Job's story, because a lot of times Christians see at the end that God gives a, a, an ending, they presume because the ending is of God that the beginning was of God. Right. And that's where we get into trouble because um, I've heard so many well-meaning Christians say, well, God did this to you because, fill in the blank. Um, God is in the redeeming business. That's something we need to always remember. Satan is in the business of killing, uh, stealing, and, and uh, destroying. So 
all these things come from sin and from Satan. It's so important, you've given me this example that I've repeated so many times in situations, uh, broad situations, but it's so important to know the difference between your friend and your enemy. Mm -hmm. Because if you you think that your uh, enemy is your friend, you're gonna be hurt Mm -hmm. because you're gonna trust someone that isn't trustworthy. But that isn't the worst mistake you can make. The worst mistake you can make is to think that your friend is your enemy because what do you do with an enemy? You run. Right. You run. So if you believe God is your enemy, you're going to run from him. You're going to you're going to have harsh feelings toward him. You're going to you're going to blame him because you believe he's the source of your pain, which would be the most fatal mistake because he's the one who loves you, who's pursuing you with his love. Well, Satan wants us to blame God. Yes, yes. I mean, you'll see that as we get into looking at Job's friends and how they accuse him of doing all these things wrong. It is critical that we understand the difference between God allowing things into our world because sin was chosen. If we go back to the Garden of Eden where we had God's plan, there was no sickness, death, abuse, ill, you know, there was Nothing. no, no uh, pain, no, no death, yeah. any of those things. But because sin came into the world, those things became natural, natural occurrences. So God allows these things, but that doesn't mean He's the cause. And it's very clear that we distinguish that because if God were the cause, Job would have been legitimate to blame God. If right. God, if God had been the cause, then he could. He, it would have been ridiculous for God to consider that sin if God didn't cause it in the first place. Right, and and that is true throughout the Scripture, and that is the the flaw, the great flaw of that. Well, we're just watching theology. this be so prolific in our generation, yes. which astounds me because for a long time, we didn't have what we would call either hyper Calvinistic or Reformed. Uh, ultra-reformed theology it, it kind of gone by the wayside but I think now there's been a resurgence of it yes and it's just killed a lot of churches I mean I get mail about this all the time even in our area of people who wind up in one of these churches and these pastors who come in typically from seminary where that's been mm-hmm. taught and they just mm-hmm. grow the church right into the ground uh, because it's the opposite of what God teaches well, and, and if just so in case you're not familiar um, they they package it in such terminology that it sounds right. I well, mean, it, again, it's a it's just a distortion of the sovereignty of right, God. Right. And, and is God sovereign? Absolutely. Um, and in, and in Romans eight twenty eight says in all things God works. But God is not the source of evil. He's not mm-hmm. the source of abuse. Uh, he's not the source of sin. Right. You know. And that those are two two things you need to if if you're not familiar. Two things I would hope that you would take away from this that you need to know about hyper Calvinism. The first thing is they believe God doesn't just allow sin, but He causes it. You think of the most despicable, horrible thing you can imagine. They believe that God inspired it and caused it. They believe that every right. evil thought was inspired and caused by God. And the second thing they believe is that there is no personal responsibility because you have no choice. Well, and neither will those. I mean, and there are those who don't necessarily go that far, but and there are those who do go that far, but they won't admit it. I just think it's very critical for us to recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift comes, comes from, from God. God. If right. there had not been sin, none of these things would have existed right. in our world. And God allows them for the reasons that are known only to Him. But He does, like you said, He does work and He redeems. Well, if you go back and look at go let's go back to Genesis 3 for a minute. There's only two possibilities. God gave us a choice where we could choose Him or reject Him. We could we could trust Him as He instructed Adam and Eve to do, or we could rebel against Him. There, mm-hmm. there was only one scenario there. The other scenario would be if they had no choice. Right. And if they had no choice at that point, there would be they. 
if you think about a love relationship, there is no love relationship if, if there's no alternative. Right. And so God gave us something incredibly powerful when he gave us the ability to choose to reject him. And, and in fact, you know, we're all about freedom. And there was a truth that I, I, I like to stop and think about from time to time. It's a little deep. It's on the deep end of the pool, but it's very true. And that is freedom. In order for it to truly be freedom, there must be the ability to abuse that freedom. Yeah. Else it's not freedom. It's not freedom. Well, I think the challenge, and again, this is very complicated. And at the end of the day, no one completely understands this. But it's important to realize that when we think about freedom of choice, we think about it in real time. With God, God is eternal. So God allows freedom, but he also has foreknowledge. And there right. is where some of the complication comes in. But I remember, and you will remember, that the theology school that I went to was ultra-reformed. I, yes. I was educated in this, and thankfully I had a background in debate and was able to deal with not only my professor, but also deal with... Well, and ironically, I think, just like the evolutionist, the hyper-Calvinists, there are certain questions that you ask they will not answer. Yeah, they, they just won't answer them. And, um, you know, you've always said, and this is true, the truth can be interrogated. It will yeah. always be it will always be uh, up to being interrogated. You can you can poke at truth and it'll still stand true. When you have somebody who will uh, um, avoid answering a question right. and, and, and throw something really high sounding like, it's a great mystery. We, you know, yeah. there are some mysteries in life. There are. But it, when, you're, when you're trying to, for instance, and you know, you're the one that brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, but these people so hijack the scripture and twist it to say something that it does not say. And when you challenge them on that, they run. Yeah. They run and don't, don't answer. And so, you know, if you, if you ever encounter that, I hope that you will push back against it because well, it's... Well, I think it is important that we do talk about it because, yeah. again, I'm getting mail from, it's very from wonderful right people now. that are in these churches. And typically, these are younger pastors that have sat yes. at the feet of professors like I had. And you got to know, I loved my professor, you know, about mm-hmm. the world of Bobby. Um, but... You know, thankfully, as I said, I had a background in debate, which allowed me to know. I knew how I knew how to use evidence, and because on debate you have to debate both mm-hmm. sides, I knew how evidence was manipulated. It helped me see through a lot of it. Well, we need to come talk. <laughs> yes, we do. This is going to be the longest <laughs> Noah's window <laughs> in all of history. Yes, but uh, it all comes down to this: with everything that happened, even though God allowed it all, Job did not <clears throat> sin. By blaming he God, didn't blame God. Yes. And wow, is that an important? Statement. That's that's a big thought, and yes. I think that's something we all need to consider when bad things happen in our life. Yeah. And on that note, Mark, would you leave us in prayer this morning? Father, uh, this is just a great day for us to remember that every good and perfect gift comes down from Father of Lights, with whom there's no variance. There's no there's no evidence of turning or changing, and we're just so thankful that even though we change, you do not change. And even though uh, we're all over the page, you're in the same place, the same eternal place every day. We recognize, God, that nothing bad in our lives happens because of you. Had you had your will in the Garden of Eden, none of these things would happen. And in heaven, they won't happen again. But Lord, because we live in a broken world, there are just complexities that we have a hard time grasping. But in spite of all these things that happen, we know that you are good. You're good all the time. And we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for going on that rather long conversation with us today. (laughs) Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you here again tomorrow here on Noah's Window. That's right. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.